Welcome to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast, Episode 8. Hello, and welcome again to this week's episode. Today, I'm talking with Brian Lovell. I've been really wanting to sit down and talk with him for quite some time, as Brian always has thoughtful and introspective thoughts about pretty much any topic I can throw at him. I've been wanting to pick his brain about his evolving art style and his often dark and horror-based work ever coming into conflict with his faith. And, as expected, I got some really interesting answers for both. We also discuss his upcoming projects and take some questions from Twitter and Patreon. I really enjoyed having Brian on, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Let's do it. So when I first gotten exposed to your work, so to speak, a few years ago, it seemed that you were very much in kind of the Sean Phillipsy kind of realistic kind of vein. And over the past couple years, especially the last two years, I think you've really pushed these exaggerated figures and these just, you know, giant proportions and, you know, big hands, big muscles. But you've also kind of retained like the realness of the washes that you do, which you do. You have fantastic wash work. I'm totally jealous about it. And I was kind of wondering if that was kind of a a conscious decision on your end to kind of go that way, or is it just kind of something that evolved naturally? Uh, I think there is, you know, like some of it's obviously like it's some of both, but the, the sort of realism, I guess, that maybe you're referring to early on, I think maybe stems from just the fact that I kind of tried breaking in pretty early on on just making crime stories. So, like, that was really where I think a lot of, like, I was trying to make these things more believable because the worlds of which they existed were less absurd, I guess. Okay. Uh, and then as time's gone on, you know, like, I've always loved superheroes and uh, the cartoon, like, I've never been really big, like, Umberto Ramos is, like, one of my favorite, like, guys, you know, like, favorite comic artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, old Joe Casada and Frank Miller. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it was just, uh, like, John Romita Jr. is the king to me. Um, uh, yeah, totally. I totally see that Romita heft. Yeah, like, and that's kind of what I'm after, was just that sort of, like, weight and volume. But, like, kind of leaning, being able to lean into that is just so fun. Like, so, like, the exaggeration is obviously, like, intentional. Um, but it's, it's weird cause it's not about like trying to make them bigger or more muscular, but it's just, like, how can I add weight to this? Okay. Uh, and it's funny because the, the hands thing that that's legitimately like just me seeing how far I can push <laughs> viewers before they get mad at me. <laughs> I'm just like, how big can I make this dude's hand before? But, but like, I won't do it on every character, you know, it's like, no. like I did it on that Conan because I kind of feel like I wanted Conan to feel like he could crush you with his fists. No, and it's totally appropriate, too. You know, it's like Apocalypse, I would do it, or Cable, or, you know, like, Strong Guy, or, you know, like, Sabretooth or somebody. But I wouldn't give, like, massive hands on, like, Wolverine, or, you know, I don't know, Superman, or something like that. Well, maybe I'd give big hands on Superman. But, just you like, know, like not if, as like big, the, but just a little bit bigger. Yeah, but, like, the Flash, you know, like, he, yeah. you know, 
thin him out a little bit. Uh, I don't know. There's are certain people I'd give big hands to. <laughs> it's well, it's it's really cool seeing those influences come through, uh, especially the John Romita Jr. one because that's like you know one of my all time favorite artists. And your ability now to like just give this weight and heft to these characters when you draw them, it's that's something a lot of people do. I mean, there's a lot of really beautiful illustrators working in comics these days, but there's just something, you know, when a character you're like, this guy, this looks heavy. Like, you know, I'm, if, super, I'm super glad that that comes off, you know, cause that's kind of the goal. Yeah. Well, I, it, totally, it totally does. The comparison I always kind of make to what I'm trying to do with drawing, like at least like, you know, superhero characters at least um, is to kind of like achieve the same feel I felt when I played Gears of War for the first time. Oh, okay. Which is just kind of like how it felt like everything weighed a thousand pounds. There's just something about that that I really found appealing. And like, you know, I, I didn't intentionally go, I'm going to make this like Gears of War, but I realized like later, like, oh, that's kind of what I'm after. Uh, you know, like that's a good comparison or whatever. No, that, that, that that's a great thing to draw from. Uh, especially I find myself when I'm trying to draw it's kind of I'm kind of torn because if I go back to the 90s like my three guys my formative years my three guys were John Romita Jr. Adam Kubert and Mark Silvestri right and you can certainly if you had a Venn diagram you know I'm certainly there's sections where they overlap but there's a lot of sections where they don't and sure. I, I kind of think that's where my indecisiveness comes from hmm. Uh, when I'm like trying to pull from like what looks right to me and uh, you know, it's, it's just, you know, one of those things you have to work through and, you know, just essentially draw it out until you've kind of developed what you're, what you're comfortable with and what you're doing. But it's, it's been really cool just seeing that switch because again, like I said, you, you not only get the, the dimensions and the, the figures and the, the weight, but you also toss in those gray tones and those washes. And it's just kind of, adds such a different dimension that I think we didn't really see because, you know, in the nineties, you know, John and would have crosshatched a lot of, <laughs> a lot of that sure. stuff. And, sure. um, well, these days he would have still crosshatched it, but you know, it's just seeing, just seeing the, the extra dimension given with the tones is just kind of like, Oh wow, this is like crazy in the best way. And it's okay. kind of like, I, I kind of see what you're doing. Do you know Nate Stockman? Yeah. I kind of see what you're doing as like a bookend to like what he's doing. Cause he's definitely kind of got like an Eric Larson on like manga steroids approach, yeah, yeah. but he also has these incredible tones he uses. And just like, you know, just seeing like the, you're, you're like on the same spectrum at some points, but also like on opposite ends with like the figures it's just kind of like seeing you, you know, you two back to back on the Twitter feed. Sometimes it's just kind of like, wow, like this is, this is amazing stuff. Cause there's a lot of artists that I can obviously say are very impressive these days. And everyone has that, you know, the, the artists that they like that kind of like when you see them, see the, the, see their work, you're mad at it, but you also kind of like want to like love it forever. <laughs> I, do you watch Bob's burgers? Uh, I don't. Okay. Um, uh, but I, I, from what I understand, it's very good. Um, it is, it is an excellent TV show. Um, so this reference is not going to make any sense to you, but hopefully people listening will, uh, there's, uh, an episode where there's 
the the youngest daughter Louise uh, gets dragged to a boy band concert by the older sister Tina, and younger daughter Louise she's like does not care about boys. She hates you know she's like whatever this is stupid. She's making fun of it the whole time, and then she sees them come on stage, and there's one boy in particular she kind of is like goes nuts for, like like the whole like. But you know through their own shenanigans they end up meeting him. And when she gets to meet him, and all she does is like she gets like so excited, she just like slaps him, <laughs> and then you know it's just kind of like ah, and you know. So what I'm basically trying to say is, when you post some of these things, I just want to slap you, but I love you so much, man. <laughs> it's, it well, just makes me want to, just makes me want to slap it, but not to hurt, not to hurt it, just to, just to know that this is how much I love you. <laughs> well, and frankly, like it's uh, to just to backtrack, setting it to say anything. Uh, it's also extremely like it's really nice what you're saying. It's also really flattering getting compared to Nate in some capacity too, because I think he's uh, he's just you know super great, super good dude, super good artist. So that's extremely flattering. Oh well, uh, it from from the bottom of my eyes to the top, like it it's you guys are just it's always a treat to see what you guys do and all joking about slapping aside it's it's just your art and his art and many others it kind of like it's the stuff where you see it and it's just like you want to get back to the table and not necessarily because like oh man i'm so terrible you know i gotta i gotta i gotta get better it's just like oh man like this just this just kind of like feeds you your art's like a really good taco brian and that's the highest praise i can bestow upon anything I think. Well, that's really, that's the best. Honestly, dude, like knowing that like people can connect with it, like in a way that like is engaging and kind of like wants to, you know, if people want to draw after like that, you know, that just feels great because, you know, I remember the stuff that made me want to do that as a kid or the stuff that even makes me want to do that as an adult. And that's such high value stuff for me. I think this day and age with Twitter being the hellscape it is, we also get exposure to so much great art that mm-hmm. it's easy to get lost in um, stuff we're not really digging and harder to recognize the things that we actually do that re- that do tick those boxes for us, I think, because it's just so much, <laughs> just so, so much. But I'm glad I got to tell you how, you know, your stuff's been uh hitting in my brain and judging by the responses online i'm certainly not far from the only one Um, yeah it's been kind of weird like i've been kind of playing with some stuff and it's weird it's really like the i mean twitter's not really you know uh a good measurement of how well things will be received but within that sphere like i've been kind of experimenting with a couple of things and people really responded well to it so it's kind of kind of interesting yeah and it's it is very difficult because, you know, one thing, you know, you could do one thing, and you're, you know, I've, I've had plenty of instances where like I, I'll throw something up on Twitter and comparatively for me, it's like, oh, wow, this got, this got a good response. And then I'll post something. I'm like, you know, I really like this and pff, crickets. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I think some of it's just straight up time of day. It, it so. is. It is. The, the algorithm is working against you, but mm-hmm. um, it's fine. But uh, yeah, I, I'm really glad to see this. But I'm also really glad to hear that you're writing. And, yeah. And you've shared a couple things with me recently that I really dug. And you have even more stuff coming out 
in which you're writing, and I would really like to hear more about that. So do you feel like uh, sharing a little something with everybody? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess, like, you, you know, I don't even remember what I sent you. Did I send you some of those weird horror short stories? Uh, you sent me some or of those, and you also sent me the, um, the, the flip book. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, the superhero thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I kind of talked about that superhero thing a little bit. I, and I kind of, am going to bring it up a little bit anyway now. Um, so a good friend of mine, who's a local, his name's Matt, Matt Sparks, uh, MTS comics eight, at MTS comics on Twitter. And I think he's on all the other social medias. So he's a real, he's, he's been a really good friend to me for years. And he's just a, one of, just one of the guys that like loves comic books and he's a, and he's a great artist. And you know, like that thing uh, which is called the cherubim is ultimately like, like he's a religious dude like me. And so like, we kind of like had fun kind of conceiving this little, uh, like thing. Like I had kind of had the idea for years that I was like, Oh, this could be kind of like a fun horror action sort of deal. And we kind of got to talking for a while about maybe working on something together off and on. And that topic came up or that particular project and he kind of seemed to flip over it. So I'm kind of curious that's going to be out in April um, it's going to be pretty limited because we're self-publishing it, um, but that's going to be like a, like like you said, like a flip book. Uh, I sent you the first story from it, but we're kind of doing a weird presentation because, you know, superheroes are virtually impossible to get anybody to care about. Yeah. Uh, like when they're new and not associated with other characters that they love that have been established for like 60 years. But we still love superheroes. Um, and so we wanted to kind of make an, this new one. So we're doing it to where we kind of want to invest people in the world a little bit. So we're doing two like two chapters of two separate like like one chapter from two separate stories um so it'd be like you'll get like part one of one story and part one of another story matt's already working on issue two so like it's not like it's not coming down the pipe there's also some supplemental material and we're including some trading cards because we want to you know like maybe put some origin stuff on the trading cards so we don't have to go through a bunch of bs for people you know where you just got to watch and read another origin story of another superhero so we're just kind of throwing you into the action and then kind of supplementing uh, some of the backstory on the on the trading cards uh, so hopefully it makes them you know like people want to collect them it's new art different art like we're not just repurposing interior art so we're just trying, trying to try some try to find some fun things that can get people stoked about this weird new superhero book that we're doing that's essentially like pre-apocalyptic you know horror uh, with some like very obvious religious undertones. It's not like one of those things where it's like, and then Jesus shows up at the end and all <laughs> saved. It's not that type of thing. Like it's very much like daredevil meets, I don't know, like, uh, like it's very obvious, like looks like daredevil kind of, cause it's got horns on the yeah. thing, but you know, it's like a little bit daredevil, a little bit, whatever. Uh, we, you know, we're kind of pulling from some of the midnight sun sort of vibes. Um, you know, Danny catch. No, and, and you told it, you totally get that, um, get that vibe. And, I really love the concept of putting in the trading cards and giving that as the backstory because I think something that I kind of miss these days is just finding a comic and like not knowing everything and then having to find out through stuff like that because that's you know for us that's that was kind of our bread and butter back in the day because you had to dig through back issues to find exactly what happened outside of an editor's note or a mention on a trading card or whatever's oh, yeah. in the handbook that they released or whatever. Well, so all those, Arthur, all those Arthur Adams trading cards played such a pivotal part for me understanding the Marvel universe. I never had the handbook, but I had the trading cards. And so like, I could just read the backs of those cards and learn about Baron Zemo or, you mm -hmm. know, these different characters that are kind of obscure fool killer. And then you have that card and you're like, oh, like I know something now. This is awesome. Yeah. And like, I want to know more. 
Uh, so it's kind of a cool way to do it. For we thought it would be a cool way to do it at least. Definitely, definitely. But uh, like, but this is not announced now, but it'll be announced by the time you put it out. Um, there's a guy named Andy Eschenbach who's also a local Cincinnati fella. Also Fantastic writer. For, like, uh, yeah, he's excellent, excellent writer. He's also a tattooer from Cincinnati, just like me. Uh, and we have uh, kind of conceived this uh, sort of West supernatural western adventure sort of comic book uh that's coming out uh uh at idw um that and they haven't announced it yet they'll announce it tuesday or i guess in a couple days from now um that we kind of made up at some ihop and (laughs) i mean we we put in the work like yeah yeah no no i I, yeah it's just i love hearing where people like initially develop stories yeah, it's so stupid. Like you just do it at IHOP or whatever. Like when there's like four syrups lined up next to you and you're talking serious about story, it's like the yeah. dumbest, <laughs> the dumbest setting of all time. But uh, you know, like we kind of came up with it there, and then we kind of sat on it for a while, and you know, maybe thought about getting it going, tried a couple different like options, and then we had the luxury of knowing one of I think the most talented artists in comics, and just straight up versatile and like crazy unpredictable art style this uh woman named kate sharon um who's worked on a bunch of licensed stuff uh, but this will be her first full series that's like a creator owned thing like that we we all own together um and she's just spectacular uh she's at kate sharon and uh, at and andy eschenbach uh on twitter for anybody that's listening but kate took whatever we thought was cool and just totally made it like a thousand times cooler like i'm looking at uh, a really bloody like a thing right now that she drew for the book. And it's so rad uh, (laughs) that I'm so stoked for everybody to get to see it, but that'll be coming out at IDW. That's essentially like about a dude who uh, was killed in uh, a heist, a gold heist that went bad. So it's a Western, Um, but he wakes up from his grave sometime later and isn't really sure why, but he also is chained to it um, and can't, figure that out by some magical mystical sort of curse he's literally chained to his grave um which leads him and his family uh down a series of betrayals and revelations and uh lots of hate magic like uh and uh, a cast of really bizarro characters that are really fun um if you like alligators you'll like the book uh, but it's completely completely nutso and we try to take like everything that we liked about western especially its tropes and then just kind of tweak them out so they're way weirder zanier um, and just kind of more exciting. Uh, it's extremely violent, but kind of like cartoonish in a lot of ways. Uh, but we've got, you know, gators, we've got werewolves, we've got, you know, mysticism, and I guess zombies, if you count, you know, like Roy. Uh, <laughs> just got a little bit of everything that's completely nuts. I mean, like whole train cars get thrown with magic. It's just nuts. Um, but we're pretty stoked about it. And I, like, I cannot, I cannot articulate how vital and amazing Kate's pages look like I'm just going to spoil it. She does some crazy shit. (laughs) Like there's a shot where there's people inside and uh, outside of a train car. So instead of like coming up with some clever angle where you can see them through the door, she just straight up, like you can see through the wall. Like it's like a, like a video game or something where like, it's just like, Holy shit. That's genius. Um, She's just brilliant. Um, But that kind of stuff just blows me away. So we're so psyched to be working with her. And that'll be at IDW. Like, they were awesome enough to kind of gamble. You know, this will be Andy's first published uh, like series writing and mine too. So they're kind of, you know, I've been published as an artist, but 
you know, all the writing I've done has been short stories, same with Andy. Uh, so we're really, really kind of grateful for IDW to kind of give us a shot. And they've been, you know, they seem to be stoked about the scripts and stuff. So we're pretty hyped. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I've, I've, you know, I've, you know, I was introduced to Andy, I think, on uh, CincyCon 2015, I think. Uh, Sounds right. Um, and everything, you know, every time I see him and he's got something new, it's just he's it's it's kind of jarring, like how good his stuff is, um, especially his uh, the, the most recent one I read was the uh, the angels just want to wear my red shoes. I think it is. Yeah, uh, which which is a, a crazy title in itself. Um, yeah, Andy's a lunatic. It, it is, and, but his his stuff, I, you definitely seek it out. I don't know if Andy's got it up on Comicsology or whatever, but definitely seek out the stuff he's done and the short stories of yours that I've read that you've you know sent and all that. You know, you're a really good writer yourself. So, you know, Thank yeah, IDW is probably you know unknowns in terms of that factor of like not having a full on series out, but you know, I'm sure they're seeing what you guys have done before and be like, well, we know it's at least going to be good, <laughs> you know, much less, well, you know, hopefully. And, uh, uh, seeing some of uh, Kate's art, the snippets that she's put online. Now that you've mentioned those things, I'm like, Oh yeah, I see, uh, the little snippets were from that. And that stuff does look crazy. And the character designs you showed me on this, uh, this cover you're doing, it's just like, I am full on in and I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited that my buddies are making awesome comics that I get to read because it's just extra icing on that cake. Yeah. It feels kind of, you know, it feels kind of weird too, to be from this position of like, like person who wrote it because, you know, that's never been a thing for me. Um, So it's kind of been an interesting, I guess, I don't know, whatever you want to call it. Like, uh, like it's a, it's an interesting transition because, uh, you know, I've never, uh, it's a, it's a different type of stress that yeah. you end up falling under. Um, I actually in real time just sent you the page I was looking at. That uh, is bananas. Isn't that crazy? Oh my God. Sorry. Sorry guys. You're just going to have to read the book. Like this is, but, this makes perfect podcasting, you know, me going gaga over uh, a page that you can't see yet but you will want to see this. This is nuts. That is gorgeous. Yeah. She's, it, uh, she's amazing. It's gotta be wild, you know, cause again, you know, your art style is your art style. And when you're writing, I don't know if you're envisioning your art style portraying this I'm book. Not. Actually, so, I'm not. Okay. So, cause the few times I've tried to write for other people were not successful in that I couldn't just get myself out of it for when it comes to the depictions and all that not not to say that you know i felt whoever i was going to give this to would have done it have done a a lesser job not by any means it's just getting over that barrier so i was wondering if you've had any struggles like that but it sounds like you're already thinking you know kate's art on this well i don't even think in kate's art when i write either that's kind of like but it's like even when i'm writing for myself like i don't picture in my own art style it's just weird whenever i write like it always comes out as like when I'm, when I'm like, I, like I can usually, like I usually envision camera angles okay. usually. Um, but I don't always write them down. Mm-hmm. Um, but it just kind of helps me like get the things in the frame. Uh, but it's kind of a weird, or I guess panel, like depending, you know, how you, yeah. how you say it. But, um, 
it's almost like I'm just looking at ghosts. They're like okay. these sort of vague shapes where I know like there's a head there or like a hand there, but it's just like, it's kind of weird. Like, and it's, it's always been that way for me. Okay. So you're kind uh, of thinking in thumbnails essentially. Yes, very much so. Okay. That's a really good way to you put know, it. You know, maybe, maybe I need to readjust my thinking because there's a couple of things where I know other artists can really breathe a different more appropriate life into something I've been, I've been writing. And it's just like, kind of like, maybe that's the approach I need to take now and think about. And hopefully I'll be able to detach myself from it and, you know, get some of that stuff done because I'm really wanting to kind of branch out from that, from just art, because I do, I have to imagine that getting pages in is like the best feeling in the world. Cause you're like, oh, here's a story, awesome story being told, drawn like awesomely, and I didn't have to do it. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's the weirdest feeling too. Cause like when you like like you, it's funny that I'm like, oh, it's kind of like ghosts, like which is like the most dumbass response I could have given, and you're like, well, like thumbnails, like an actual practical, <laughs> practical response. Um, yeah, like be, because I'm only thinking in such vague ways, like to see it come back is like, it's extremely alien and really satisfying in a lot of ways. Um, it, I haven't done a ton of drugs in my life, but I feel like that's like, like kind of like, Oh, I didn't, I forgot that it, like it, that it was, it felt this way, but it was like every time, you know what I mean? Like every time it's like this new, like you kind of almost drunk on this weird thing that you had a vague idea that became extremely concrete and you had very little to do with it. Well, that's, that's awesome. Again, I'm, I'm really glad this book sounds killer, like, and it looks awesome. And, uh, I'm sure, uh, once, uh, it's officially formally announced, we'll have release dates and all that. And I, I, what's the, what's the title again? It's called chain to the grave chain to that. You see that that's, that's an, that's an amazing title too. Thank you. It was, uh, I can't even remember which one of us came up with that, but we'll just all three take credit. <laughs> Matter of fact, we should all take all three take credit individually so we can have really sweet infighting. Oh, nice, nice. That's the plan now. So yeah, that's the that's the next thing coming down the pipe. I do have a couple of other things that I can't really uh, get too far into, but it, it, this is not the sole writing thing that I have going. So um, I hope that if people like it, it I, I've got two other things that are not quite like it, but mm -hmm. if you like what doing there, hopefully you like the other stuff. Awesome, awesome. Well, right now um, I had asked on my Patreon and on Twitter for some questions. So if you're feeling up to them, let's go through some questions. Yeah, I guess right now I'm just wearing a hoodie and some uh, pants and stuff. So for anybody that wants to know what I'm wearing, uh, that's what I got going on. That was well, a... That's about 50% of the questions. Um, I know. So there you go, folks. Um, okay. Dave Acosta at Dave Draws Good asked <laughs> if I can have his hands. Now, I don't know what Dave's planning to do with your hands. I would assume for some sort of intimate purposes, but <laughs> let's assume, you know, for drawing and not to not to go out of line on the first question here, but Dave, uh you don't need Brian's hands. You're an amazing artist yourself. So, but Dave, if you Dave did have Dave's an amazing artist. Uh, and but I do know Dave well enough to know that he actually has really bad plans for my hands. Well, then I guess your answer is no. Uh, I, when he when he wrote that, like I saw it on Twitter or whatever, and I legitimately was like, 
like I read it as because uh, like when you asked me earlier about like oh the big, big hands can you have the big hands <laughs> yeah I was like oh oh wait that's not what he means <laughs> um and our previous guest Joe Mulvey has a whole bunch of questions for you so gonna... let's 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 you know shotgun these bad boys uh, the light. yeah what is your dream book to work on um I mean like like number one uh outside of just my own stuff, like something that people would know, is that kind of, I guess it's open-ended. I would say, I, I would like assume, my, yeah, I would assume that your own stuff is always like your dream book. So I guess what like IP. Yeah. Well, like, well, as far as dream books go, if my own stuff's included, I'm already working on that. Uh, you just, y'all don't know about it yet. <laughs> um, but of stuff that would be other people's IP, I would say daredevil would be the thing. Um, and maybe followed immediately after would be a tie between Moon Knight and Green Arrow. Um, and then a third would maybe be uh, like a Tim Drake Batman book. Oh, wow. I would not expect those DC answers. And I would harm several people, very, very distinct individuals, to see you do a Daredevil or a Moon Knight book. So that that's I'm satisfied with that answer. I hope Joe is Uh, to to even like almost elaborate on that a little bit, too. Like one of the things that I would that I almost always say in response to questions that are similar to that is Hellboy. Mm -hmm. But every time I almost say it, I get real scared, (laughs) like because like that character is like so like there's such a a system Mm -hmm. to him that I'm terrified to have to draw more than once at a time. (laughs) Well, so many people at this point with the anthologies and all that have kind of done a Hellboy that I don't know if they're still doing those. I'm very, very uh, out of the loop on Hellboys. I know there's no direct Hellboy series anymore. I think BPRD just ended, but Mm -hmm. I think they're still doing like some stuff. But, you you know, uh, it's good that you're scared. That means you're not going to mess it up. Did you ever read the Marquis, that Guy Davis book? No, it is on my list of the books that I know I should read and I have not read yet, though, for sure. Like, if if Guy Davis came out at some point and was like, I really want to have this thing out in the world, uh, but I just can't finish it, even because he had like one more like story to tell, I guess. And if that like if if like a bad opportunity crossed my path, I would like backflip to draw that. Uh, because I love, I love that character. I love the way he looks. I love that whole world. Um, that would be like a, Oh, and, and last one, I guess would be uh salmon twitch. Oh, um, it's like one of those things that if I could like get McFarlane's ear and say, like, yo dude, like I will knock a salmon twitch mini out of the park. Oh yeah. Yeah. There, like, but yeah, there, but go ahead and do that. Um, I'm, you would do, you would do a killer salmon twitch too. You've mentioned that before to me, or at least online somewhere. I remember that's in my brain that you've said that before. And who knows, maybe in the tens of listeners, someone knows Todd McFarlane, they can bend his ear and say, Hey, get this Brian level guy on a salmon twitch book ASAP. Cause that would be, yeah, that would be some sweetness right there. That'd be really bitching. That's like one of those ones where if I had like a day to just draw for myself, I should just do like a big salmon twitch or someone should any, any of these listeners, you want to really get me excited, get like a, a salmon twitch commission. Yeah. Give Brian some money and, you know, take any of these characters from these dream books he's just mentioned 
throw some money at Brian to do it because then he's just going to just murder it beyond, you know, anything he's done so far. It's a guarantee. I'm setting really like high standards for this right now. Oh, and Joe, Joe asked an extremely simple question, and I'm turning it into, hey, get a commission from me, why don't you? Hey, got, got to hustle. Um, <laughs> uh, next question is, who are a few of your dream collaborators to work with? Oh, boy. Um, feel, free to, feel free to give this one a pass, because if you don't want to like alienate anybody, even though that wouldn't be the intent, because I think we've all been in this position where it's like, I don't want to forget anybody. Who no, are, I don't care. Okay. Uh, like, that's on them if they take it personally. Yeah, fuck all like a, If I pick, like, three people in the world I want to work with, like, it's kind of crazy to, like, take umbrage to <laughs> not being on that list. <laughs> um, I would, like, uh, Dave Lapham is, like, like I would say Dave Lapham, uh, David Hine, and oh god it's gotta be another david now i know it's gotta be another david you're right um reminder i would say rick uh those those are three off top that i can really that i could really like there's like uh i mean it's funny because i could probably name like artists i would love to write stuff for too like I would love to write something for Riley Rossmo. Oh yeah, um, that would be that would be a extra insane thing, I'm sure. Yeah, there's no there's no way it wouldn't be completely crazy. Uh, but you know, like those that's kind of like the the list of people I would say. Okay, I, I think that's I think those are some great answers. Um, next question is well, this is more of a existential question is why are you so dreamy uh well that's up for debate so i guess that's like i the better question i'll return it to joe and i expect a tweet on this is why does he think i'm so dreamy that's that's an excellent uh retort there and joe we will be expecting a response otherwise you'll be shamed off of twitter I expect a, which is impossible because you have no shame. I expect a sonnet. I want a sonnet <laughs> in my DMs. With Joe, you're going to get a limerick. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. You're right. Um, and then uh, the fourth question is: Please ask Brian if he's aware that he's one of the greatest people of all time. You know, I I kind of take a little bit of umbrage that you had to specify Brian. Like, you know, I'm a little offended there, Joe, but. Brian, why are you aware you're one of the greatest people of all time? Uh, I think Joe has pretty low standards. If that, if I'm one of the greatest guys, well, of all it, time. it's well established. Joe has low standards, but it doesn't mean he's wrong. <laughs> well, uh, I don't really know how to react to that outside of just being flattered. <laughs> um, I'm like trying to think of something funny to say, but the sentimental part of me wants to just say, like, Joe, I love you very much, and I think you're just a stupendous man. And uh, I admire Joe a lot. Like in a very genuine, non-jokey sense, I love Joe very much. All right, then. Uh, I hope that uh, satisfies Joe's very, very uh, big curiosity with Brian. (laughs) And uh, our final question is from uh, a young up-and-coming writer called uh, Christopher Sabella. (laughs) Um, 
I don't know. I, you know what? He's he's had a couple. I think this kid's going places. You know, he's got these stories that I think Hollywood should take notice of this guy. You know, he's also got a very. Yeah, maybe, he also has a little. super cute dog. Um, so you should go follow him at at Xtop Xtop. And he asked if you like Spitterman. Um, I'm assuming he means Joseph Spitterman, the accountant from Poughkeepsie. <laughs> and I'm not sure how you two know each other, but that's kind of a deep pool, Chris. But, you know, there it is. Uh, and he, he, he wants to make sure it's a good answer. So how do you know Spitterman? Or do you like Spitterman, I should say? Do I like Spitterman? Well, the <laughs> no. Don't like him one bit. Oof. He owes me $900. And uh, for an accountant, you'd think that he'd make good, but... He's one of those accountants. Yeah. You go, you do a thing for a person when they commission you to do it in a big, bo- big boy parking lot. And, uh, you know, you show back up and the deed's done and they disappear into the night with a fake business card and you can't ever, you know, get the money that you were promised. And what I'm trying to say is, no, I don't like Spitterman. You know, it... I'm with you. I'm with you. If you can't trust a guy named Spitterman, you know, who can you trust these days? This world's turning hell in a handbasket here. My philosophy, which is don't trust anyone like the rattlesnake Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> well, uh, I think that's I think that's a good answer. I think, uh, and let's uh, double check here. Yep, that's all our questions from online. I don't... Well, at least we got the deep ones, you know? Yes, yes, the very deep ones. So earlier you mentioned uh, you're, an, I guess, an artist of faith, uh, as in you're a Christian, uh, as I am as well. And I think a lot of these days, you know, saying you're an artist and you're a Christian kind of seems like it's a conflict because artists tend to be very liberal and progressive and Christians are often not. <laughs> sure, um, right. Can, you didn't say anything particularly inaccurate there. Um, I can say for myself, I came into faith later, you know, in my 20s, um, and I'm a Catholic, but mm-hmm. I would be considered a bad Catholic because I am a very liberal person, you know. Sure. So it's kind of the thing where it's like, well, the area I'm in, it's not very conservative. Um, right. The, you know, I've been part of the, uh, the choir at our church uh playing instruments uh not recently but the, uh, for a few years i was and both choir directors previous you know that i worked under were you know were gay uh no one really cared uh no one said anything some choir members were also gay and no one cared um and when someone may have brought up anything about it they were quickly shut down and sure. so it's it's been it's it's kind of a progressive community but right. it's not, it's kind of difficult for myself, you know, continually trying to justify being part of something that's not budging, I guess, which, you know, maybe foolish me for expecting there could be some sort of change, even though there are, you know, players within the construct of the religion and the, the hierarchy that, you know, may you know seem to be wanted pushing for just going back to the basic tenets of like let's just love each other and be cool with each other man like and take care of right. each other the rest of this stuff is just distractions um 
my pastor said, and it was really a just a really simple way to say a really complicated idea. Um, and she she is extremely wise and very very cool headed, which I am not. Um, but, you know, she she very simply said, you know, like Christianity is at its best when um, it's the underdog. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so much truth there because all the time, all the times where we have positions of power, we really fuck it up really bad. Oh, yeah. And start, uh, you know, we start because I think people in general are given to fascism and subjugation and othering and all these gross uh, sort of impulses because they come from a place of fear, you know, like, uh, and we're just given to fear. Uh, and and so obviously, like when you're given to fear and and your thing is the establishment, like you want to suppress anything that threatens whatever, you know, you see yourself as. But it's funny because I don't really have any trouble reconciling what I believe uh, up against an institution uh, of, well, frankly, of oppression, um, primarily because like the gospel is inclusion at its core. Yeah. You know, like to me, like like the gospel of Jesus is about bringing, bringing everybody in, mm-hmm. you know, the tearing of the veil. And uh, like, even when St. When St. Peter had the vision or whatever of the, of the animals, like kill and eat, do not call unclean what I've called clean. Like when the Lord says that to him, like those sort of things are just like, Oh yeah. Like we're bringing the Gentiles in, like we're bringing all these people in to the religion. This is not an exclusive thing anymore. Yeah. Uh, like we, you know, when Paul said, you know, and I don't want to put, I don't want to put words in God's mouth because surely that's a recipe for disaster. You know, when, when Paul says like all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. I think he's like, it's, it's about making sure that everybody's included and then being able to approve what's good for us from the inside, not from, you know, like not keeping people out, yeah, but drawing them in. And so to bring it back to, that's just my quick little miniature. <laughs> like, no, no, you, of, you bring up an excellent well, point. I, I think it's, it's kind of amplified when it is, you know, a Christian in power, so to speak, though I would hesitate to really say they're Christian at this point. But the human nature of just power corrupting and people wanting to, you know, out of fear, you know, say, no, I'm right, you're wrong. This thing I have is is the right thing, the best thing, as opposed to like inclusion, which is like just seems so scary to some people i think but it's like no man you 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 have to realize like that's what it's all about this is like we're all in this together and well like if if, if you're if you're a if you're a bible literalist right like let's just let's just start off with the premise that you're a bible literalist and you believe that god made adam from the soil and that eve came from the rib of adam and so like let's say you buy that well then you come to the second adam or jesus who was uh, born of a virgin birth from a woman first like you like the patriarchy is gone yeah like when you know like like the, the thing gets flipped uh and like when you think about it in those symbolic terms well, and or literal terms whatever like what that means and what you carry forward like that like once again like it's it's destroying these sort of like uh, like structures of oppression not emboldening them you know like when when jesus stands in the gap between uh you know like a sex worker and people with stones and calls them out as being uh, no, no, no less sinful than anybody else. Uh, like those things I think are important to me. And those are the things that kind of keep me from trying to be judgy or crappy or keep people from, you know, trying to know the love of the thing that, you know, the Jesus that I believe in and that sort of eternal uncreated uh, 
Christ or whatever. Uh, but whatever, that's, you know, I feel like I could do this all night. <laughs> and I don't think people really want to hear this stuff, you know, outside of if you if you want to hear anything from me, especially if you have an aversion to religion um, or an aversion to Christianity or hurts or whatever, like, I am sorry. No, and, you know, I, I, I totally get it when people are like, what? No, like when it comes to religion, yeah. Christian, like, no, I, I trust me, the line in the sand between me and you are, it, it's, it's not as big as you think. Cause you know, right. there's definitely, there's, there's days like, I think yesterday was a, was a day as well. Like where I'm like, why, why am I participating in this? Like when it just seems that it's just full of, hate and trying to just tear away people and just you know keeping people from, like as christians like just i'm just going to bring you know the, the the what's going on at the border right now like right. as christians like how how the fuck are we cool with this how how yeah how how, how do we say like no like cuz what cuz our country like the, the country doesn't mean shit Right. Our country does is nothing before, you know, loving each other. And we're, you know, and I understand in the political aspect and the safety aspect, there needs to be some sort of regulation or something like that. But what's, what's happening now that that's not, this is just cruelty. This is cruelty. And like, it's, it's fascism and it's, it's sickening. And, you know, it's hard for myself to try to align myself with a institution that is just not caring or not doing enough or is, you know, pushing, you know, a political agenda or pushing a political, a certain political party just because of, you know, abortion or anti-abortion or all that. When the current political party in power had two years of like just unwavered like do whatever we want hey there down from the future here it's coming in to clarify something as brian and i are talking about something very serious and i want to make sure i'm as clear as possible on my views i am 100 percent pro-choice uh the fact that women do not have full rights over their bodies in this country is an absolute travesty and my only stance of being against abortion is that I feel we need to look at the source of why people feel they need to have abortions. If it's due to lack of affordable birth control, or if it's some other sort of systemic thing that they feel like they cannot continue and with their pregnancy and have the child, I think we need to address those things. So I hope that clarifies what I was trying to say. Obviously, this is not a black and white subject. There's lots of gray area, and I could go much further into things I believe and things I would like to see happen with all this, but ultimately, this is the point I was trying to make. All right, back to the show. And what did they do? They didn't, they didn't call out abortion. They didn't stop all abortion, whether you're anti or pro. I'm not saying what about this is about. It's just like that was their agenda that they got all these Christians to like, no, they're killing babies. And what did they do? They did nothing. They just, you know, lined their fucking pocketbooks because that's all they care about. Sure. And this is far off. But if they, if they cared, but if they cared, if they cared about babies, they would do things to take no, care of babies. No, and they, and they, you know, they would try to do fuck women. Yeah, it, it's you know, 
life doesn't end at conception. Like, you know, and this isn't, you know, I, you know, so, you know, people ask me, oh, are you pro-life? Or I'm like, well, I'm pro-life in that we should take care of the people that are living and we should take care of those. And, you know, when it comes to a woman seeking abortion, it's not like, oh, she can't have it. Or why does she want, it's like, what are these systems in place that makes her feel like she's helpless? Not to cut you off, but like in these particular instances, I think it's really easy to like, because I think clearly we're of the same mind. It's really easy to air the grievances. Yeah, it is. And, it I, is. and I think it's really important for other people, especially non-believing people, to know that Christians do have these grievances with our own yes, establishment. I, mean, I think it's important. But I also think it's important for those people that are listening that are believers to know that like, there's a lot more we can be doing for these women mm-hmm. uh, and for, for children. So these people don't feel like that, that they don't have an option, you know, like, like there's so many more choices out there that as Christians, I think we're, we're supposed to be doing, not worrying about whether or not we stop them from doing the things that they do, but instead find out ways that we can be of service. Um, and isn't, is, and isn't that, thing. that's this one, that's one of the basic things, you know, I was taught like, like we are to be in service right. to each other and, and to God and to Christ and to, you know, I'm not great about it all the time, but I'm human. And I try to recognize when I'm not, I try to make amends when I'm not, but yeah, we're not, we're failing completely. And again, it is really easy to, to get into the grievances because it's kind of like, from my perspective to those who are not religious or um, who are not really, you know, of any type of particular faith, but it's kind of like for, for me, it's kind of like having this thing where it's, you see this perfect thing and, but people are just staining it and they're not letting it be this perfect thing. They don't want the light of this perfect thing to reveal who they are to themselves. So they have to make these constructs of no, it's no, it involves it's, it's under the purview of this perfect thing. And it just gets sullied and it's so frustrating because it's so simple. Sure. Um, when the, and the thing that, and the only thing I can really do in these circumstances is just try to find ways to love people that feel like they're unloved or that they're not cared for in any particular way. But also like I have to keep myself in check because it's really easy for uh, my frustration with topics to sully myself mm-hmm. or to like uh, so- soil my opinion of my brethren where uh, in ways where I want to reject them as well. And in reality, like I just want to reject some of their behaviors or their thinking um, as opposed to them as a whole. I would love, I would love nothing more than for um, there to be a reconciliation um, within these systems where these people like wake up and be like, Oh my God, we're harming people left and right. Not only are we harming people, but we're harming their relationship to the thing that we think is the most dear. Mm -hmm. Uh, And, and I think that's a really, that's, that's, such a such a grievous thing is to like you know to harm people in such a such a crappy way but but then on top of it not even like but to think that you're doing it in righteousness um that's like the real horror of it all yeah um that the pride there yeah pride pride is pride is the the biggest curse of mankind i think it's and i have it too you know like well we all we all do but and that's and that's why we have to you know we we have to exercise you know humility and and be humbled from time you know a lot a lot of stuff that's been you know a lot of the times i i do my best to remind myself of i'm going to paraphrase here but you know like why are there 
you know, the, the, the tale of the moral atheist. Why I believe in God, why does he allow a moral atheist? And it's to, to, to give us humility because here's this person who there's no reward in heaven. There's no eternal life. He's like, no, I'm just going to be a good person. And yeah. there's the humility of that. Like, oh yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> no, you know, no, no, that's what, that's what we should be doing. And mm -hmm. I, I do my best to remind him of that when I get too far down a rabbit hole with pessimism, because that, that seems to be my natural state that I, I constantly fight against. And it's, it's difficult sometimes. And I, I, I think, you know, that's, it, it comes, boils down a lot just to pride, you know, and not necessarily pride in the, the purest in the, in the, in the regular sense of like, oh, I'm better than you and all that. It's just, not recognizing your own bullshit before uh, everything else, I guess. Sure. Well, and but like, but with, like, and what you're saying about, um, like, it doesn't matter. I was, I was ultimately going to articulate like, like, there's nothing like what us talking about this and having like pride about, uh you know, like maybe feeling like we have something more figured out than another Christian or whatever. Like, yes, that's still wrong, but like on a material, just straight up material world end, like it doesn't cause the same kind of damage um, and pain that some of these other things cause. And so like, it always comes off like almost disingenuous when you're like, well, I have my stuff too, but they do big, you know, and mm -hmm. it's just kind of like, it's, I don't know, there's just so much of this that becomes complicated and ugly. And really at the end of the day, all you can control is what you do. Yeah. Um, and and what you're you yourself are engaged in and ideally like hopefully that kind of works as a beacon or or a boon like when you're kind of ideally behaving in a way that's you know kind of demonstrably good uh, by uh, any general or universal consensus is if there is such a thing um, and try to operate in forgiveness and um, you know be you know, be more Christ-like or whatever. Yeah. I think it's funny that we're talking about this. So like more, like more of just a straight up philosophical discussion on uh, <laughs> our relationship to the church. It's almost going to have to be like a special feature. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we, we got the, we got the good, uh, the comic stuff out of the way in the beginning. Everyone can skip past this if they're not interested, but I, <laughs> I you know, I, to, to kind of, you know, rein it in a bit, cause you know, I, I, I'm perfectly cool ending this discussion, the uh, philosophical discussion on what you just said because I think that kind of puts it all into a nice little nutshell. Um, but do you have you have you ever found where like the art you want to produce conflicts with maybe something in the way you feel about your faith or maybe oh, that because you you you've you've done some weird shit, dude, and it's great and I love it. But <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm kind of wondering like, is there like or do you just kind of like disconnect because art is art and it's coming from within in the soul and you, you just got to get it out. Um, yeah. I was just wondering if you had any kind of like conflicts internally there or anything like that. Uh, so I guess, yes. Um, all the time, like almost 100% of the time. Wow. Uh, when, when I, yeah, like it's bad. <laughs> like it's really bad uh like a lot of the stuff that i make um is nothing short of depraved uh 
like, and I don't say that to, like as a positive, um, but like it genuinely concerns me, um, the things that I'm making. Uh, not because I'm afraid. Well, that's not even true. Like, uh, like, yeah, I'm afraid of the stuff that I make, uh, like in an extremely legitimate sense. Um, and, and I, and I, I, and I try to believe that I don't make it out of compulsion, but out of some sort of abstract sense of duty that like, this is what I'm kind of made for. Um, and, and people respond to it and, and it hits them in a very real, it's funny cause I make extremely surreal, non-realistic fiction, uh, like, like it's definitely not logical. Like if you, you know, if you've read some of those shorts, like they're extremely abstract. Um, but for some reason they like resonate with certain groups and I just kind of have to like have a certain amount of faith, like that those things are doing a good work, despite the fact that they feel extremely bad when I'm making them and when people read them. Uh, and I know that's like seems contradictory or some sort of paradox, but uh, like I've, you know, I hired an editor for one of my books that no one's read yet. And like, he could probably attest to at least two times, maybe three times I've called him either uh, on the verge of tears or kind of having a meltdown uh, because I don't know if I should just, if I, I don't know if I should make this thing. Um, and that's probably like, you know, one part me being some sort of having a, some sort of, you know, issue like some emotional or mental you know issue um but you know the the other part of it is just you know there are things that conflict with my faith in my work a lot um like a whole lot and it's not but like it's kind of like uh, i saw scott derrickson say one time it's like a morality tale viewed through the negative um and and I think that that's kind of the best way to describe some of this stuff is like the heinous shit. Like, like if you read it, like I'm certainly not delighting in it. Um, but there is like a weird dark comedy through like through some of it that I feel uncomfortable with, but I feel like almost in like endears the reader to the work, not to the moment. Um, that I don't know. There's just like it's extremely conflicted for me. I'm speaking really vague right now, and so I'm sorry to. No, you're, it, it, it's it's not, it's not vague. It's it's actually uh, I'm it's very kind of like enlightening to me hearing this because I've had my own struggles with you know how, trying to tell stuff and you know I guess not getting too weird and but I also I I, I see where you're coming from because yeah your stuff. It can be viewed as abstract, but it's coming from, it's coming from a real place. And seeing, you know, use the analogy, uh, morality tale through the negative, as a negative, or through the negative, I guess. Um, I totally get that. You know, I think, and I think that's what's resonating with people, um, like myself and others who, you know, read your stuff and are like, you know, it, it strikes, it strikes the chord within them because, you know, there's, there's a feeling of, you know, I, I've had a, a lot of stress and, and difficulties, you know, this past year or so. And something I kept telling my wife was like, the only way out is through. Mm -hmm. And it kind of feels like with your work, it's, it, that's what you're doing. Like you have the stuff within you that, you know, for good or bad, you need to kind of get it out and it's, and it's through your art. It's through your writing. It's through your, 
through your illustrations. And, but when it comes out, you know, it's on display for everybody. And there's many of us who, you know, do, you know, probably feel the same way about certain things or it strikes a different chord with us, but it brings up something within us that we can connect to and through that darkness and all that kind of go through that as well and come out the other mm-hmm. side. Well, it's in, like, and it's kind of interesting because me making this stuff is extremely masturbatory. <laughs> like, there's no, there's no part of this that's for the audience. It, that's know, that's any, that, that's that's all art, though. It, it, but I mean, like, genuinely, like, it's it's almost antagonistic to them. <laughs> uh, like, and and I don't and I don't mean it to be. It's not like an on, it's not an intentional thing. It just kind of comes out that way because I I just don't consider them. Like it's like you, the should. Not a- you should never consider the audience and that's not, well, it's not that I dig at the audience. It's just as an artist, you got to be truest to yourself and truest to what you're trying to express and what's coming out of you. You, you can't put it through the filter of what the audience is going to like. I mean, cause you're not, it's not, it's not Superman. You're telling a tale about, it's not, you're not beholden to anything other than what you're feeling and what you're expressing. Well, and I think that's the distinction, right? Is like as an artist, you're right, but as an as an entertainer, um, I don't necessarily agree. I think it's important to keep in mind the audience when you're making a piece of entertainment for them. Um, and so I try to kind of keep those lines pretty, uh, like I try to stay aware within those spaces. And when I think they kind of become a bit murky, is when the work suffers on both sides. It becomes less entertaining and less true. Uh, and and so I try to kind of make sure that you know, with the spiritual journey stuff of mine, like I try to make it all like just spiritual truth to me, like shit that like, I'm, I feel like I'm extremely, uh, stuff that I'm like, that I'm literally fighting through internally, like stuff that will bring me to my knees and cause me anxiety and, you know, all those other, all those other troubles. But when it's like a piece of entertainment, it's quite breezier. Um, it's a lot more labor, if that makes sense. I don't even know if that's true. Uh, it's a lot more like, like a lot more revisions and a lot more, um, you know, structure and all that. But the other stuff is like the more art stuff is more intuitive. You know, I still edit a lot, but it's like coming from a completely different point of view. Uh, and like reconciling with my faith is honestly some of the hardest part. Um, cause you know, I, like I rely a lot on meditative times and, uh, contemplative just times in general and dreams to kind of draw out some of this stuff and, uh, and then you kind of get those things. And instead of, you know, going to like a dream doctor that's like, well, this means that you're just kind of stressed out about your job. Like, I'm kind of like, oh, well, this is a weird image. What does this mean in the context of this world and this, you know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of a, you know, everything's symbolic. And, um, you know, it, it, it does concern. I'm always extremely concerned about how the audience, like after I make it, how the audience is going to perceive me because it is so much of me in there. Um, but like not enough to make me, you know, like not do it, I guess. The only, the only person that I care, the only thing that like, cause like I said, I don't believe it's a compulsive thing. I do believe that I have some sort of control over it, over deciding to do it or not. And the only person I really care about, uh, I care about people's reaction and I don't want to hurt anybody. Like it's horror. And I would never be like, oh yeah, don't worry, you'll be fine. Like, because frankly, like you might kind of think it's the dumbest shit on the planet, or you might find it really rattling in a bad way. Um, and frankly, like if you're showing up to a horror book to have a good time, and then you get a horrific time, like don't be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. 
Um, cause I feel like I'm, I'm trying to deliver the, the latter of the two. I'm not there to give you a great time. If you have a great time, awesome. But that's not why I'm doing this. Like I'm doing this to dredge up the worst parts of me, the worst parts of, uh, people in general, the worst parts of the world. Um, and, and do it in a way that's completely and totally uncompromising. Uh, like, and I don't even necessarily mean like explicit, but just like thematically, you know, I've, I, I have people that I talk to about the work. Ultimately my, like the thing that my, that I bring to my faith in it is a lot of this like sort of symbolism or like through line sort of ideas. But one of the major things that I bring faith, like it, when it comes to faith is that I don't want to hurt. I want to hurt you on purpose. I don't want to hurt you by accident. Well, I, I um, think people are drawn to horror because there's something about seeing that seeing something horrific or getting that feeling of something horrific or going through something that may be unsettling, may be jarring, but is ultimately cathartic. Right. And maybe, and maybe, and maybe, maybe that's why you do it and you're so good at it because that's your purpose is to kind of, provide this catharsis for people through your storytelling. Well, and saying that I'm good at it, I thank you. That's very kind. Um, I will say like, I do have sensitivity readers on it, but it's kind of interesting. Like <clears throat> in that it's, I don't have sensitivity readers. So that way, like, like it's ultimately to just like kind of keep me from landing into a trope or something that I wasn't aware of. Um, you know, like, like, but I know that, like, one of the things about the, one of the books that's, like, the true, like, horror book I'm doing um, is it's extremely inclusive to the point where I know I'm going to step on some landmines just by virtue of it being a horror book and being super, you know, to the best, inclusive to the best of my ability. Um, and so, I've, you know, I've kind of got some, like, some, some sensitivity reads just to ensure that I don't, not ensure, but to potentially mitigate any landmines I might be stepping on, because frankly, I'm, a super privileged guy, you know, like I'm a white dude from Ohio who's straight, who does okay. Like in his other job as a tattooer, like, like I don't, I, you know, I don't struggle like people struggle. And so, you know, I, I don't want to hurt um, people accidentally. You know, I think some people are going to read some things in bad faith and that's like, that's, I'm prepared for that. Um, I do think that there, and there's going to be things that I could do better. I'm aware of that as well. Um, but you know, when I bring a horror story, I want it to actually like leave people feeling kind of a mess, you know, or, uh, yeah, I, it's, it's gonna, yeah, ideally it'll be a punishing read. <laughs> I hate to say ideally, but ideally it will be, you know, um, cause that's some of my favorite things. I don't want to do that to people. I want to do that to me. And the, the, my favorite things in the entire world have been things that have really sent me down a weird spiral. Um, that really challenged my thinking and challenged my belief structure in a lot of ways. Uh, I don't know if you saw First Reformed, uh, but did you see that movie? No, I did not. Um, so, I mean, it it's a drama, and it has like a little bit of it, like like it's almost marketed a little bit as a thriller, especially with the poster. Um, but God, if it doesn't carry the tension of a horror movie the entire time. Uh, and when it's over, you feel like you went through something and, and it wasn't because it was suspenseful. It was because there was something deeper than itself. Uh, you know, like any David Lynch movie, 
you feel like you went on a, on a ride that you kind of won't, won't be the same after. Um, you know, there's just certain people that kind of invoke that kind of dread, you know, some Nicholas Rogue stuff. And, uh, you know, like that's what that's what I want to do with my work is kind of make people feel like I don't want to give people a good time, which is rude of me. <laughs> um, but but I want to give them a hard time. But that like really means a lot. And I know that I know I'm not that unique. So if I want that, then I know other people do too. They might be a small number and I might only be able to get a couple issues out before it gets canned or whatever, but <laughs> uh, hopefully those issues are meaningful to people. Um, what, you know, when, have you ever read the Bulletproof Coffin? Uh, no, I have not. So the Bulletproof Coffin has two volumes from Image Comics. Those of you that are, that are comics fans and like strange comics, uh, I want to make comics for those fans. Like, because those fans are me, <laughs> you know, uh, like the Bulletproof Coffin is about as amazingly perfect of a comic book that anybody could write for me. Okay. Well, and, I'll definitely so have to, I've, I've heard plenty about it um, with the circles I go in. I just, this is one of those things I have not gotten to. Yeah, I'm sure you've had those comics that just feel like, oh, someone wrote this just for me. Mm-hmm. Like. Yeah, like bulletproof coffins that way for me. Stray bullets is that uh, way for we me. We three, like, someone tells me like, you know, I, I I'd been out of comics for several years, and this is you know what early early aughts like mid mid two thousands. You know, I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I I want to start buying comics again, and I'm like, oh, Amazon has comics, <laughs> so I just ordered some trades that people recommended, and I read we we three, and it was like. Oh my God, this is like, it was like one of the most like thrilling experiences I've had absorbing any type of media. Like, you know, I had goosebumps, I teared up, I was just like voracious in it. And it it really was something like, wow, everything about this, like, it not only opened up my eyes to what comics could be, because I was so used to, I had stopped reading comics somewhere in 19 early 99 right uh late 98 so while there was trippy stuff all along it just wasn't in my purview so seeing what quietly did and and things like that and this the story itself it really kind of like it was kind of like a freight train of comics that hit me and it kind of led me down this path to where i am now but so i i totally get where you're like these comics were written for me um and I ultimately think that, you know, you making your comics for and them not being a quote unquote good time, you know, that's that's perfectly fine because we don't have to like. There's a general assumption about content and media and entertainment that it has to be a, a quote unquote good time, as opposed to something that might be you know, more difficult or unsettling or, you know, uh, a a bad time to go through. But when you're through it and it connects with you, that's just something so much deeper than just being entertained and saying, oh, yeah, that was good. As as opposed to being something like, oh, yeah, that's that that I have to think on this one. Like, you know, uh, you know, I've had I've had books like that that have hit me throughout the years. And, and you've definitely had those and you've made some of those for people, I'm sure. And, you know, if I could just say anything 
to close this all off is just, you know, I, I think you, what you're doing is necessary, not only for yourself, but for others. And it's great that you're with the inclusivity and you're trying to not put your, you're not trying to offend or go and, you know, tread somewhere where you may not have, you know, the, the right course, you might, something might rub people the wrong way, but you're going at it with the intent of providing experience and putting, putting something out there for people to connect with and that it's coming from something within you and that honesty, I think you can't stop some people from probably having a problem with something that might come up, but for, for the majority and you know, for most of us who know you, you know, cause I'm, I'm sure if <laughs> the, the, there's many of us who will come to, to like, Hey, no, 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 no. Like if someone's offended by something like, no, you, you know, this, this is coming from something true and honest. And I think that most importantly will connect with people and you will definitely uh, have, you know, the support of myself and I'm sure plenty of others that, you know, to keep doing what you're doing because there's not, there's not a ton. You said, you said you're not, you know, unique, but you are because only Brian level can tell a Brian level story. Everybody. Yeah. You know, and it, we're, we're all unique in our own way because we can only tell the stories we can tell the way we tell them. And I look forward to seeing what your stories are and how you tell them. And I know many others will as well. And yeah, I don't know. And it's funny because I know I instantly kind of like just am like as soon as I even bring up the fact that I want to do like a good job for people – I know that's instantly like, like I already know I failed everyone. Like that's like a thing that I already know. It's just a matter of like I hope that people trust me enough to know that I'm that I you know like I I'm paying attention you know and I'm and every everything I do I'm gonna try to do better and better than the last time. And, uh, you know there's a there's a big this is a big it's a big process for me to work through my work like my belief structure like what needs to change what needs to stay the same like what just all of it, you know, it's like hyper complex. Cause to me, it's not just a story with like a, like a theme, like it's like who I am. And, you know, like, so it's, you know, when people reject that, it's gonna, it's gonna really hurt and really make me take stop of stock of who I am. And that's okay. You know, like as ideally, as long as I don't let it get to me too bad and all that, like, but like, I'm really trying to, and I don't mean like it's who I am, like, Oh, this is a story where everybody gets murdered. And, you know, like, it's a hyper it's a it's a hyper diverse cast for the most part so a lot of fucking different types of people get like that's not who i am i'm just saying like the point of view that's laced beneath everything i can't separate myself from because it's a lot of a lot of abstractions and and metaphors or whatever the hell you know term you want to call it like to kind of sum up how i feel and how i think about you know the world the universe kind of how things are obviously someone gets you know gunned down in a by a tommy gun in a old 40s car like that's not me a reflection of the world as much as just maybe there's something in that act that you know is is symbolic of something else and that's kind of like what i'm trying to do with the work and hopefully people can see through the sort of surface of it uh into the i guess the the viscera 
in the story like what like what are they reacting to and what does this say about them what does it say about the story what does it say about me and hopefully i can build a kinship with those people um as opposed to an antagonism uh like but it, i'm hopefully building that through by through being honest with my own work not by trying to appeal to what i assume their sensibilities are or what i assume they want to see and but instead by re- by revealing who i am and talking like this kind of honestly about it and openly about it hopefully that's the things that can connect us and i and I, it will because as i've stated many times and i will gladly state again you're a fantastic creator um your work is honest and forthright and it's coming from a place of honesty and you're not talking down to anybody. So even if there's something that someone could potentially view as problematic, you tell your stories in such a way that that comes through. And I think it's uh, not something as prevalent as we think it is these days with creators. And I am for one excited to see that there's a lot of Brian level stuff and stuff coming out in the future and I can't wait to read it. And I know a lot of other people will be floored by what you're going to be doing. And I hope you're proud of it. Uh, you deserve to be, and don't beat yourself up too much about it because honestly you are doing, you are doing comics good by making what you make. And I firmly believe oh. that. And I thank you for being so open and honest with me in this discussion today. I really appreciate it. I, and I hope you're right, man. I, I hope that when people see this, like, they don't just be like, God, this guy, you know, what I want people to know is like that, that I do care. Um, and, and though they I make pretty careless worlds, um, pretty pitiless places that, you know, that, that they can find the, the pieces of love in there and stuff. And with that, I think I know why Joe finds you so dreamy. <laughs> Brian. No, that was a great. <laughs> thanks for coming I, on. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me. And I know I'm quite a tangential sort of guy, so um, I appreciate your patience. I, I love going on the rides you uh, you put forth, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I, I do appreciate the uh, the ride. Oh, uh, in the interest of it being a comics, coffee, and metal podcast, I think it's worth me addressing all three very, very quickly. Do it, do it. Um, I've, switched to, I've switched to half-calf coffee lately uh, because I started to develop uh, some very uh, troubling uh, – sort of tension in my shoulders and stuff like that. Like, and I, and you know, I get tinnitus when I have too much caffeine late at night. Uh, so I've switched to half calf coffee. And I got to tell you, those of you that are relying solely on coffee to survive, I can't really recommend it. But those of you that just love drinking coffee all day long, going half calf's kind of a half, you know, half decaffeinated, half caffeine. You got any, pretty good way. You got to, any brands to recommend? Uh, we, we drink Javali a lot. Oh, because me too. It's always on sale yeah. and, and it's not, it's pretty all right. Like for the yeah, point, exactly. It's, kind of it's, it's a nice middle ground. Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, because we drink so much coffee, it's like more than a pot a day. You do, know, like we drink a lot of. coffee. Do they have a half calf, or is it just you split? We just buy two okay. bags and then make some. Okay. Yeah, and so that's you know sometimes we'll brew a full pot of like full caffeination, but then you know like it'll get halfway done, and we'll brew another mm-hmm. another half pot of decaf, or you know just kind of however works. We have a drip thing, so that's my coffee thing. Uh, comics, since we were talking about stuff that like gets me real hyped, like stuff that's made for me, I kind of like to read stuff like multiple times if I can. Um, and like, I think that if you like, this is maybe the most basic of all recommendations to people, but like black hole is kind of 
like that comic was made just for me. Um, so I would recommend people read Black Hole if they've never read it. It's kind of essential as far as horror crime stuff goes. And uh, Peter Milligan, Duncan Fogredo's comp, like stuff at Vertigo, like Enigma and Face. Uh, so like those are the things. And as far as things I'm hyped on right now, really quite enjoying uh, Chip Zdarsky's run on Daredevil. Uh, I Dan Waters' uh, book Coffin Bound at Image is really great. Uh, finished last year, A Walk Through Hell, that latest uh, like Garth Ennis horror romp. Uh, pretty rattling if you like horror books. Like It kind of leaves you a little bit... It, it asks a question toward the end of it that I can't shake. Um, so those are, my, those are my comics recs. And as far as metal goes, uh, I can't stop spinning this Advent record. Uh, if you like metalcore, or like, I hate metalcore because it kind of implies like chuggy, breakdowny stuff. This is more like metallic hardcore, like very much has an aggressive, uh, metally sort of vibe. A uh, dude that I was talking to about it said it reminded him a little bit of Buried Alive, and also, uh, God, who is the other one? Um, I can't remember who else he compared him to, but he was right. Uh, some death metal band, but uh, Advent, their latest EP, Pain and Suffering, is really great. And there's a band from Pittsburgh called Slaves BC that had an album called Low and I Am Burning that came out uh, two years ago that just destroys. It's so bleak and so scary black metal stuff. Um, really love those guys too. That's my that's my three comics, coffee and metal or whatever. Well, I, I appreciate you hitting all the points. I had to do it. I love all those things a lot. I, I know. And there's so many of us creators who do. And that's why I'm looking forward to uh, talking to so many other other people about this because I was making a list of like, okay, I, I'm doing one of these interviews a month. Like, how long can this go? Like, there's got to be a short. And then I just started making a list of people. And I'm like, well, shit, I'm already like at three years worth of interviews. <laughs> so... You know, and then I'm sure at some point I'm going to have to have some of you back on again anyway. So, you know, we'll have a, a full on discussion about metal and metalcore and and all that. And, uh, you know, to, to lighten up from the uh, from the ph- philosophical or we'll make it philosophical, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to I'm not going to be bummed out if you end up trimming some of that because I know we got a bit uh, got a bit away. So but, uh, I'm, you know, I'm I'm always like super grateful to be able to talk about some of the heavier stuff. No, I I I I have no intentions of trimming any of this for you fine folks and uh, you know except for maybe some of the pauses and some of my uh some of my ums. But yeah. Okay, so uh Brian, once again, thank you for coming on. Uh it's always a pleasure to talk to you. I I'm excited to see you again in person in the next few weeks at C2E2. Yeah. Which both of us will be at C2E2, McCormick Place in Chicago, February 28th, 29th, and March 1st. Um, I will be at table N8. Brian, do you know what table you will be at? Uh, it's in my email somewhere, but it'll be on Artist Alley. It's one of the wider aisles. I know that. Okay, it's one of the main aisles. Um, e- E15, okay. I'm doing really bad. Uh, Down from the future again. Brian will be at table H13. It's gonna, it'll pop up in my Twitter. Yeah. Like I'll change Twitter name to it. Yeah, or whatever so we'll, the next we'll be there at C2E2, uh, drawn away and, you know, hustling the books out. And, you know, if you're going to be in neighbor area, just please stop by. Let us know if you've uh, got any questions for Brian that you didn't get to ask online. I'm sure he'd be happy to answer them at his table. <laughs> yes, please do. 
Bring it on down. We'll talk. We'll talk all kinds of stuff. All right, Brian. See you then. Thanks a lot. Right, man. Bye. Thanks again for listening to the Comics Coffee Metal Podcast. This episode was brought to you with the help of my patrons, Mark Warner and John Dudley. If you would like to support the show and get early access to episodes, thank you mentions in the credits, exclusive artwork and comics, music downloads and videos, please consider going to www.patreon.com slash Art and becoming a patron. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.